Okay, I want to start this out by talking about a movie that is completely unrelated to the subject matter today. It's important. Okay. So I watched Sorry to Bother You, which is the Lakeith Stanfield movie. Boots Riley made it. It's got Tessa Thompson in it. It's about this guy who is struggling to pay rent and gets a job as a telemarketer and gets told by another telemarketer who's an older gentleman, who's actually Danny Glover, to speak in a white voice to get people to actually uh, oh. answer the phone and, and, and sell stuff, whatever they're selling. I've heard of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Patton Oswalt is one of the voices that like subs in when, when they're talking in their white voice. <laughs> it feels very timely. The thing I want to talk about, though, I don't want to like, give anything away. If you've seen Sorry to Bother You, which I know you haven't, but like Mm-mm. this is this is quite possibly like the strangest detour or sort of swerve that I've ever seen in a movie. This movie was like deep and intellectual and quirky in a way that I was very, very into. And it's it's still a fantastic movie. It's so fucking crazy that I just need everybody to see it and talk to me about it. <laughs> That's good that you saw a new movie. I also know that you saw um, Dr. Sleep. Did you want to talk about that? Okay. Dr. Sleep is another Mike Flanagan masterpiece. I think he's brilliant, but he's an editor on his movies. And I, too, am an editor, and I absolutely love that. But Dr. Sleep has like 900,000 dissolves. And even if it's only three dissolves, it's too many goddamn dissolves. (laughs) And like, I don't know if you guys know what a dissolve is, but it's like, it's like when you would watch those slideshows, like if somebody made you a little slideshow on PowerPoint and like the picture would like magically just disappear and like fade into the next one. And like, there's so many shots in this film that do that. And I don't get it. I don't understand what the point of it is. It just seemed like, oh, I guess this is the transition we're going with. And I will say the true knot is perfect, which is uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but they're sort of like the antagonists of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, the ending didn't work for me. The beginning didn't work for me. <sighs> and uh, I don't like forced nostalgia. And I also don't like that who whoever was producing this film behind him, whoever was telling Mike Flanagan what he could and couldn't do. I don't like that he was made to put in shining stuff. Maybe he wanted to put in the shining stuff. I just I think it could have stood on its own. I mean, I understand that it is a sequel, but the shining stuff in the movie, I know that that can't be in the book because of what I know about the book. So, I I think that's why I appreciate this movie. It's because it it really did tie up all three of those pieces of media being the shining book, the shining movie and the Doctor Sleep book. Did you really not like the beginning? Here's the thing. Like I don't I understand that he can't get you know, the actors back. And I understand that we're not going to do de-aging on Jack Nicholson or whatever. Like the story that I was interested in was the true knot. And I could have watched that kind of stuff. Am I saying that right? It's the true knot, right? Yeah, I think okay. so. I'm pretty I sure. Just, like, yeah. I'm saying this with such confidence. And if it's wrong, <laughs> whatever. I love Ewan McGregor. I just think that storyline with him and the true knot, if it didn't necessarily culminate I don't want to say, but like if it didn't necessarily culminate the way it did with references to The Shining, uh, to me, it would have been 
a much stronger movie. It, it just kind of felt like we had this very human struggle uh, going on, and then we're going to make it sort of like cheesy end of a Disney Channel movie or something like that. Like, oh, we're going to Oh, my God. Him. Yeah, I, I really didn't like that part. But again, Mike Flanagan is brilliant. I agree. He is amazing. I'm loving Bly Manor. Uh, Gerald's Game is my favorite Stephen King adaptation of all time. I love everything he's ever done. Hush, like everything. And this movie, I will still give it like a thumbs up, but there were problems I had with it. And I just, it's so funny that like, I'm the one that loves The Shining, and yet this movie's tie-ins to The Shining are what bothered me. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to say, so it's like, it's kind of like you agree that the... Fuck you know, off. The Shining's no, not... bitch. No, 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 no. <laughs> I watched two new movies. I've been trying this thing all month where I'm trying to watch some kind of spooky media a day. This isn't really spooky, but uh, I was with my family, and we watched My Octopus Teacher, it's like this documentary about a guy who like follows this octopus. He goes diving every day and develops this relationship with this octopus underwater. It's on Netflix, I believe. It got a lot of praise. It was really good. I really loved the octopus, but it reminded me of Tusk a little bit where this guy is sort of having this like romantic obsession with this creature. I could do without that, but him following the octopus, this octopus is like so, so fucking cool. Um, it was an interesting watch. I would, I would try to watch it if you can maybe have it on in the background or something. That sounds really interesting. I love octopuses. The second thing that I watched was, uh, would you rather, and that was a shutter movie, just kind of browsing through shutter and looking up new stuff to watch. This movie was like saw meets ready or not. It's kind of what the title says. It's like, would you rather these people come to this like mansion and they play this game of would you rather? And a lot of the things are very torturous and very graphic. That sounds awesome. Um, I gave it one star. It really. I'm sure I'll love it then. <laughs> it was very cheesy and the ending was outrageously predictable and not done well at all. Like if it if it had been crafted in a way that was good i think i would have excused it but it it like took two seconds and then the movie was over it really didn't do any of the characters justice unfortunately uh, otherwise i've just been watching by manor also uh, i've been trying to rewatch haunting of hill house just because i don't remember a lot of it but i remember really liking it and then this show on hulu called Monsterland. I really liked the first episode. I really hated the second episode, and I'm indifferent about the third. So who knows if I'll keep watching it, but um, we'll see. Those are my new watches. So Would You Rather sounds great. Blind Manor is great. And uh, Monsterland, I watched that one episode too, and I don't know. Not a huge fan of the show. <laughs> okay, that's not what we're here to talk about. We are here to talk about some horror short films that you guys can watch. We're not going to spoil these shorts for you. Um, we're just going to recommend them to you. If you've seen them, uh, then tell a friend. <laughs> yeah, okay, so what we did was we each picked three that we wanted to sort of talk about and bring to your attention. So the first one that I want to talk to you guys about is called Attic Panic, and it is directed by David F. Sandberg. If that name sounds even remotely familiar to you, it's because one of his other shorts called Lights Out was turned into a feature film and then he got a movie called Annabelle Creation which is the prequel to the movie Annabelle in the Conjuring universe 
And then he directed Shazam. That's the only movie of his that I don't love. But he started on YouTube, which is amazing. I mean, he had he's had other jobs or whatever, but he got his fame on YouTube, which I think is so cool and inspiring. I mean, it's an anomaly for sure, but it still is super awesome. And he makes movies with his wife, Lota. She's great. I love her. Yeah, she's fantastic. She, like, he, he will make them, and it's just him and her. So she's normally the star. I mean, she, no, she's always the star, actually. And um, she's like a really talented actress. Mm-hmm. And this particular one's called Attic Panic. She's up in the attic. It was a different um, setting for them. And I really love some of the use of the special effects in it. And like all David F. Sandberg shorts, it is accompanied by a uh, how it was made video, like a behind the scenes thing. And you get to see how they shot specific things and some of the behind the scenes planning he did and stuff like that. And if you're at all interested in filmmaking, it's such a blast to watch. I'll link it below, but his name on YouTube is Pony Smasher. <laughs> I don't I don't honestly know why. I was going to um, ask if you knew where that came from. Nope, no clue. <laughs> They're a absolutely beautiful couple. They're extremely talented, and I'm so happy that he came from YouTube. It's so inspiring, honestly. And this particular short of theirs is my absolute favorite. And they've done a lot. So please just check out their entire channel. Moving on to my next one, it's called Moonlight Man. And I really just wanted to make sure you guys know about a filmmaker named Danny Donahue. He's so good. And he has a lot of incredible shorts as well. This is my favorite. Um, It is essentially just a woman walking to her car at night. It's very simple, but it's also pretty relatable and um, super terrifying. And I I remember watching it and I was I was leaving work late, like at nights. So when I watched it, I was like, wow, I'm thinking about this every time I'm walking to my car kind of sticks with you. So he has a lot of really amazing shorts. He's done work with Crypt TV and these shorts have like really good production value Um, But regardless of what he has, he always bakes in that suspense and it's really good. And it's they're always very simple and relatively short. But I like that. I like demonstrating that you can build suspense. I think he could definitely go places. Another thing that I just want to talk about about Danny Donahue during this pandemic, he made like a saga of shorts that he released called There's Something in My Apartment. And they're like filmed on the phone it's at nighttime and it's almost it, it almost seems like there's it's like night vision almost on like on an iPhone. And um they're terrifying. And I remember <laughs> sending them to you and you're like, I live alone in an apartment and it's nighttime. I am not watching these. <laughs> yeah. So he's really, really talented. And he's actually like he also has behind the scenes videos on his channel or whatever. And he also seems like an absolutely lovely person, even though like David and Danny both make like really I'm saying I'm using their first names like I know them personally. But (laughs) uh, I have spent a lot of time watching their work and they don't seem like crazy, even though their work is terrifying you know what i mean funny yeah funny how that works out that like people like stephen king or um yeah. like andy muschietti comes to mind just these like really cool down-to-earth guys can just come up with some of the most gruesome things totally totally like, i remember thinking about when i was younger thinking about like if i was ever gonna meet the guy that made freddy krueger I would like punch him in the face. Like I would beat him up because it was so terrifying. I was so mad at him. I would just beat him up. Wes Craven made me want to become a filmmaker. (laughs) And he's like, 
so cool. I mean, God rest his soul, but like he was like a very calm, nice, warm person. I don't know. I feel like we've probably had this discussion before, but it really is fun seeing <laughs> how nice the people are in real life and how fucked up their work is. Well, yeah. I mean, even, you know, we've talked about your short film that you did. Like, it's creepy as hell. And there's a lot of, like, really gruesome aspects to it as well. And I've read some of your short stories. And I am a, a psychopath and a sociopath. Yeah, you're a creep. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Sorry, I take that back. <laughs> Moving on to my third one, it's The Jester. We watched these movies together. They're awesome. I remember, like, <laughs> being excited for the second one and then being excited for the third one. They're directed by Colin Krauchuk. Krauchuk? Uh, it's K-R-A-W-C-H-U-C-K. But he has a channel called Make Do Entertainment. And I think there's like a couple of people that like work together to make films. And um, they've done a lot of really good work. The Jester is another one of those like simply walking down the street, encountering somebody that is just creepy. And it's like it's relatable, but it's also like it's supernatural, but it's terrifying because like you just walk down the street at night and run into this person and, and something really horrifying could happen. <laughs> this is one that I really admire. This will tie into a discussion that I'll have later on when I list, list my movies. The Jester's just fun. He's super creepy, but there's this like magnetism about him where you just don't want to stop totally. watching him and, and seeing what he does. And so I know there's like, he, they come out with one every year. Are they still making them now? Or have that has that stopped because of COVID? The third one came out last year. 2019 so like maybe maybe they're just like playing it safe this year maybe we will get one next year i honestly think that this is the one of my three that deserves to be a full feature length film really the jester is better than a lot of the shit on shutter make it into a like a feature length <laughs> i mean it's really just money these guys definitely have great ideas and great concepts and great characters and it, you know, it's funny we have a success story with david f sandberg and then two two guys that i think are Definitely, definitely worthy of jumping to the next level, making it big. Yeah. So before I go into mine, I want to bring up something because I think I think it's very interesting how you and I both picked ours. Watching short horror films was not something I did on my own. If I'd seen any, it was because you showed them to me. Doing this episode, however, kind of forced me to really look into some more. And what I found was quite a bit of the same stuff you kind of like put all of them on top of each other and they'd be the same it would be like some some average victim who is haunted by some presence and then at the very end this monster or demon or ghost is shown for like half a second with some really loud soundtrack and then it cuts to black what a cold bucket of water you are <laughs> it will like i guess I can understand the appeal from like a filmmaker's perspective. To me, I want to see a film that uses the fact that it's a short film like to its advantage. I hope that there's some sort of happy ending to this. It seems pretty bleak. I did, however, find quite a few that sort of broke that mold that I okay, want to talk good. about. Awesome. That is okay. So we we found some ones that that you like. Yeah. Did you think I was going to talk about ones that I didn't like or? No, but like, it just seemed like we were going off a cliff there. <laughs> like, actually, Nick, I hate all of these movies. No, no, no. I just, I think if anything, I was more surprised and I guess. It is. You're right though. Like it, it is sort of the same. It's very formulaic. I think that a lot of times some of these short films are meant to not necessarily 
tell a story, but sort of give you a punch in the gut to provoke some sort of emotion from you. Whereas the movies that I think you're probably about to talk about are probably ones that are maybe a little bit longer, have a little bit more story. They, they still probably have that last little punch at the end. To, cr- to credit those kinds of short films, it does take a lot to craft a monster. And there are some really, really terrifying villains out there. And I think it takes, you know, obviously it took a lot of work. There's a lot of makeup involved there. Um, but I think it's, to me, I don't want to see half a second of them. Like I, I want, I want to see them. So can I guess that your films are probably all longer than the ones that I've picked? I know one is like maybe 15 minutes, but I think the other two are only like six or seven, I guess. Well, the movies that I picked are all relatively short. I think Jester's the longest, but yeah. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, uh, let's get into it. Cool. So I'm going to go into the first one. Um, The first one is The Smiling Man um, by A.J. Briones? Briones? I don't know. Uh, And again, we'll link all these so you have access to them. Uh, But this one's about a little girl who is finding like balloons and toys all around her house and she's collecting them and it leads her to this monster. Um, And this monster is really terrifying. And I wanted to bring this up because I think back when the first it came out, uh, there was a discussion that you and I and a mutual friend, I don't, I honestly don't remember who it was, but we talked about the, the movie it chapter one. And the reason that they didn't like it was because they saw Pennywise too much and they think that in order to have like a scary villain, you kind of needed like tease it. Like if you see it too much, then it loses its horror. And I'm not sure that I agree with that. Would you agree with that? It depends, I think. I think that like in a situation like the Jester, I think you can hold your own a little bit longer. Yeah. Whereas people like maybe Michael and, and Jason need to sort of lurk in the shadows to have their effect. There are some villains that I think – Especially the ones that speak that can have a little bit more screen time and still be impactful. I thought it chapter mm-hmm. one was absolutely terrifying. I think I would agree there. And like I I want to see those creations. I want to see those monsters. I want to see the work that was put into them and the the art that was put into them. Uh, and I think this short film, The Smiling Man, does a really good job of that. The guy or the the villain that they show is like super creepy, and they they really give him a lot of beautifully designed camera time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I liked that a lot. That's that's what I appreciate about that one. It was not like oh, you see the monster for a flash. Like you see this man, and he is creepy as hell. It is really really creepy. So. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just different techniques, different ways to scare people. Mm-hmm. And some, some people gravitate towards one idea. Some people gravitate towards the other. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the same reason, like probably like I like slasher movies, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, versus maybe you, you're more into like thrillers. Yeah. I don't know why this is like popping in my head, but the insidious monster, like, I feel like we really don't see a lot of him and I would love to just have the camera on him for a while. So I could really admire like his detail yeah. and how terrifying he is. In Insidious, the the time you get to see like the most of him is in the tiptoe through the tulip scene. Yeah, that'll go down like <laughs> as one of the scariest moments in in cinema history for me. Yeah. Okay, talk about the second one. Cool. So my second one is Other Side of the Box by Caleb J. Phillips. That's long. The, yeah, this one's like 15, 16 minutes long, I believe. It does not need to be that long. But okay, sorry, continue. Okay, who's the humbug now? Jesus. <laughs> no, I'm just telling you, it doesn't need to be that long. Like, it's a very talented filmmaker, but like, it's very good. And 
I'm glad I didn't pick. There's another movie called uh, Don't Look Away that has sort of a similar vibe to it, which I'll link below as well, um, by Christopher Cox. And I think The Other Side of the Box did it better. It's just so long. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And especially nowadays, like with the TikTok and Vine age, like everything should be short. I get that. But I think this one was really, really well done. Oh, no, I guess I'm not shitting on like longer films or whatever i just got off of editing a film that's two literally two hours long i'm not (laughs) like against length in films or whatever but this particular one again i just i don't know i feel like it could have been a little bit more compact it could have you're right you're right i think my only other problem with it is the the lead man in the beginning especially i was like you're really not the best actor um and that was kind of distracting but the rest of it was really really good it's a very interesting concept uh this guy gets this box from an old friend and this box is haunted in ways that are unexpected and very weird. And, um, I think it has a, yeah, very weird. Yeah. I think it, but like Like uncomfortable, weird, really uncomfortable, really scary, really chilling. I really enjoyed that one. And my third one is not alone in here, which was also made by David S. Sandberg. And Oh my God. Uh, You've, Oh, that's so fucking dope. What? That makes me really happy that you picked a David F. Sandberg movie as well. And like Not Alone in Here is it's it's different from all the other ones because uh, Lota actually has like a voiceover in it. Yeah, I think that's also what I appreciated. It was sort of it was almost it was bordering on comedy at some points, but it had a really it was relatable. It was like this this character was going through everything that someone who lives alone and hears something creak in the night. It kind of goes through all of those thoughts that that someone like that might have. I love the part where she put the note and the key on the floor and was like, if you're going to like leave, then just lock the door behind you kind of thing. Like that was so clever and so funny. And I also love that the title is like somewhat misleading at first because you've, you know, I'm not going to spoil it, but it it sort of reveals itself at the end, and um, it's just a really really good flick. It was it was interesting and complex, and I enjoyed it. So I think it's actually their most recent one, and I know a lot of people like I I would go through and like look at the comments and stuff, and people would be like, uh, I don't like the narration. You you know you you changed up your style and it's not good. It doesn't work anymore. And it's like, I think that in my opinion, if you start at the beginning, which I really think you should, if you're into, um, horror shorts, literally cast YouTube to your TV or watch it on your, maybe don't watch it on your phone, but like watch it on something big because, and turn the lights off and go through them all. And then when it culminates in this final movie and she can talk, it's like, cool. I wish she was like, I wish I could have heard her thoughts all the way yeah. through because a lot of fucked up shit happens to Lota. <laughs> this is a really cool movie. And I love the behind the scenes to it as well. Really, yeah. David F. Sandberg, man, he is doing the damn thing. His are really, really good. The one that the other one that comes to mind is the one that involves the closet. That's another one that we should link. I don't remember what it's called, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It's called Closet Space. Uh, I think the one is the one you're talking yep, about. Yep, yeah, that's the one. Yeah. That's another great one that we're going to link. <laughs> and that definitely does not follow the same formula that maybe some of the ones that you were <laughs> commenting on earlier does. I love a risk. Like, I love experimentation. I love, I don't know. I, I, I really love what he does with his films. I think they're really, really, really good. 
And they're sort of like cerebral in a way sometimes too, which I, I appreciate. All of these filmmakers are super, super talented. And especially like if you're into filmmaking, like you should definitely be watching other people's shorts. Because like if you watch like a big feature film, uh, a lot of times that is a lot of people's visions coming together as one. That is the work of hundreds of people coming together as one. But like take a David F. Sandberg movie. That's him and his wife. That's it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yep. So you're able to sort of uh, see how a filmmaker approaches it when it's just them and they have to sort of do everything and what falls by the wayside and what is more important. It's oh, – I love I love short films. <laughs> I think they're they're absolutely incredible and I would never want them to go away. Same. And what a great like quarantine activity if you, you know – live with someone and just make movies. Oh yeah. Like I understand like David F. Simberg's a lot more busy now, but <laughs> I'm surprised that they need to be churning out movies <laughs> like Danny Donahue did. He was like, okay, so I'm locked in my, my house or whatever. I'm going to make like six 30 or 45. I think they're, they're like less than a minute long little episodes and they're terrifying mm -hmm. and sure. They kind of follow the formula you do, but they are worth it to watch. They are scary. You know, if you can scare me, if you can shock me, it's worth my time, mm. especially if it's only just a couple of minutes to invest. So I love all six, probably all like, I don't know, 15 of the movies that we just brought up. <laughs> I'm actually, to make this easier, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to go onto our YouTube page, which I don't think we've used yet at all, and I'll make a playlist and then we'll link that playlist so that you can just kind of watch all of them in one burst if you want to. I think that's the easiest way to, to go about this. That's fine. Yeah, however you want to do it. Before we go, we said that we wanted to talk about a couple of short films that actually turned into feature films that you know about. And um, that again, that is amazing. Like that's, <laughs> oh, that makes me so fucking happy. So when I think about a short that got turned into a movie, my immediate thought is Saw. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, so this, this is sort of like movies you may not have known were inspired yeah. by short movies or short films. So Saul was actually a short film at first. It was directed by James Wan. Okay, so Adam, who's in the film, the guy that's not the doctor, the guy that doesn't saw his leg off in the first movie in the bathroom, he wrote the film. His name is Lee Wanell, and he was a very active filmmaking partner with James Wan towards the beginning of their career. Not so much now, but they made a short wherein he was the one that was wearing the reverse bear trap that Amanda wore in the first movie. Mm -hmm. It sort of plays out similarly, and it was provocative enough to attract... Lionsgate and Twisted Pictures and the producers and now we have what seven eight movies now well I wanted to say no well it's <laughs> I want to say nine but it's only eight right now because Spiral is literally in limbo I want to see that movie so fucking bad yeah. but okay I, enough about Saul I'll talk about another one I kind of brought this to your attention hoping that because like I feel like you're the one who knows the most about this so I was just gonna let you talk but I wrote some down just in case you missed some uh, okay, so, well, I'll keep going. Then. <laughs> I have I'm, a, I don't care. I have a couple. So if you don't mention them, then I will <laughs> say one, and I'll talk about it. Um, the first one, I have three. So the first one is Twelve Monkeys. That's not really a horror film, but I would say it's like a uh, actiony sci-fi thriller. Maybe I did not know that Twelve Monkeys was uh, 
It was. So I had nothing to say about <laughs> it that. Started as Didn't a- like that movie, and uh, I probably wouldn't like the short. Sorry. <laughs> okay, then you go. You finish up. Another one that's coming to mind is Season's Greetings, which got turned into Trick or Treat. Uh-huh. And that was Michael Dougherty, who directed Trick or Treat's thesis film. It was a cartoon that uh, featured Sam, who is the little guy in the... The little scarecrow It's a little pumpkin-headed. little scarecrow Yeah, he's a little... Guy. Exactly. He is like the spirit of Halloween, and he's sort of like the thing that ties together all the stories. Well, it's cute. I don't want to spoil it, but it really is like cute and scary and very well done. It's like a hand-drawn cartoon, and God, I'm so happy that that, that he did that. <laughs> so the second one that I had was The Evil Dead. I don't know if you knew that that was a short film. Are you kidding me? No. I'll link, I'll link the... I need to brush up on my Evil Dead. <laughs> stuff i fucking love those movies i did not know that was a uh, yeah i'll link the articles that i found these in just so that you know i'm not <laughs> just pulling these out of my ass he's just but. making shit up <laughs> this this episode has literally gone off the rails jordan is just making movies out that don't even exist i promise i promise i'm not what is the next one uh the last one that i had was mama i don't know if that was on your list or not but mama <laughs> I I know the full length movie was not very well received, um, but we wound up liking it. I think like I didn't like it the first time, but when I watched it with you, I was like, oh, I can appreciate this a lot more. I love that movie, but I think I guess my point is I think I'm in the minority with yeah. with that movie. Look, this is an episode wherein you guys learn some stuff, hopefully, and I've learned some stuff. Did you learn anything today? You're welcome. I learned tons of stuff today. No, you didn't. This is all going to go in in one ear and out the other. Okay. You're going to go smoke some weed, aren't you? Yeah, that's me. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Weed. Big old pothead. (laughs) Weirdo. I'm I'm a little drunk. Um, Was that it for your list? I'm trying to think. I completely forgot we were doing this segment. I figured I would have a lot more. Um, It's okay. There's five that if you didn't. (laughs) There's others. I I think these. This is strictly like horror genre, and I think it's pushing it to say that Twelve Monkeys is a horror movie. But I thought that it kind of fit. Uh, But there are tons of other movies that started as short films, and you'll see those in the articles that I post. But um, yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting because there were a lot of things on that list that I didn't know. So totally. Um, Well, thank you for educating all of us today. You're very welcome, Mr. Jordan. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Um, Oh my gosh, we. That's so funny. I think it's Mr. Jordan. Yeah. So my my principal when we were in when I was like in elementary school, her name was Miss Jordan and she did not like me. Not a lot of people do. Shut up. I'm gonna start telling stories about Miss Jordan. Okay. <laughs> so Miss Jordan, when I was like four or five years old, I took one of my dear friends into the boys' bathroom. Uh, she was a girl. Uh, we got caught by a very tall teacher of mine who could look over and see that you know we were giggling in the bathroom. And um, I got pulled out, and my dad came in, and <laughs> she asked me why I did it. And I was like, you ooze, you lose, which is literally something that Billy, the blue Power Ranger, says in the Power Rangers movie oh my uh, God. to one of the um, – one, one of like the ooze creatures that Ivan Ooze creates. If you guys don't know what this is, you can just turn this episode off, but I'm just <laughs> going to keep talking. So uh, she, as as I walk out, she's like, I hope you enjoy your spanking, Nick. And my dad was like, you're not going to spanking. But okay. Uh, what a weird thing to say. Holy yeah, shit. She was, I don't want to call her a bitch because of everything that happens later. Um, but okay, the thing that 
that I was going to bring up at first was the fact that like we would do chapels on Thursdays and we would all get in the gym and she would say, good morning, students. And we would be like, good morning, Mrs. Jordan, like as loud as we freaking possibly could. It was really weird. And then um, I grew up and I was in charge of Lost and Found. And uh, at your school, like, yeah, I was like on the student council and stuff like that. And I was just like trying to, to help. So I took over the lost and found and her coat got lost like on a Wednesday and I empty it on Thursdays. And so it got put in the lost. It got put in the goodwill thing that like to get taken to the goodwill mm-hmm. that gets picked up or the Salvation Army or some shit. I don't know. Yeah, so I threw her coat in there, and she'd only lost it, like, the day the day right before. So she's coming in, and she's, like, panicking to me. And so one of my good friends jumps in there and starts digging, and I think he eventually finds it. But she was, like, so frustrated at me that I did that. And I was like, I'm sorry. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing, you know, every week. And then she died. <laughs> And we were all, like, invited to her funeral. That's not funny. And I was like, no, she does not want me there. She would <laughs> not want me there. She would rise from the grave and say, Nick, get out of here. <laughs> oh, yikes. She didn't seem like a very nice person. I mean, I don't think I had, like, I didn't have nearly as many episodes with her as I did with my middle school and high school principals. I got in trouble a lot in in middle school and high school, but... Those are the ones that like stick because my dad tells that story all the time. Well, wait, did we ever remember why you took your friends into the bathroom? What was the reason for that? Oh, just like just just to hang out. Okay, we just thought it would be funny. No, yeah, we were four year olds. We were gonna make babies. I don't know. I mean, I don't don't remember. I wasn't going that direction, but I was like, I don't know if it was like, oh, you want to see a urinal? We don't have those in our bathroom. And like, I I didn't know if there was like a specific reason. Nope. Actually, this is a friend who was continuously a very bad influence on me throughout my life. (laughs) So. Do you know where she is now? Yes, I do. It was (laughs) Yeah, this this episode did derail quite a bit. (laughs) Only when I started talking about things that were important to me. Mm -hmm. Fine. Are you excited for Halloween? Because I am. I'm very excited for Halloween. Whenever this episode gets released, we're however many days away from Halloween. You guys can do the math, and I am pumped. Same. I can feel the the energy coming off of you. <laughs> no, I am very excited about Halloween. I love Halloween. I can't wait. I'll be sad when it's over. That's what's good about Halloween is that it comes every year. So, like, when you're sad it's over, it's like, oh, okay, it's coming next year too. You're absolutely right. Yeah. <laughs>